Exodus chapter 20. We continue our series in the life of Moses. and can't help but think of the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments in the life of Moses. God spoke these words as recorded in Exodus 20 and Moses recounts, re reminds the people of the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy chapter 5. We come to commandment number 8, the Eighth Commandment. What is it? Very short and sweet. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal. You know, sometimes we come to commandments like this and we kind of feel relieved. Well, I'm not a thief. I don't steal from stores and from people. And so we kind of relax a little bit. Well, don't relax too much. These commandments are exceeding broad, both on the precept and the prohibition form. As you know, these are not commandments that are wooden in the sense that only adultery is forbidden in the seventh commandment. Every other form of promiscuity is okay. Um, basically, what what happens is that the chief sin in that category is is mentioned, and all the sins that are in that category are forbidden as well. For instance, number six: Thou shalt not murder. And all sins in the murder category are are covered, like hatred, uh, like uh, hurting someone, like like uh, assaulting someone, and so on. And then you have, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's the chief sin. The uh, breach of the marriage covenant. But all other sins of immorality are covered under that category. And we come to, uh, well, the next commandment. Uh, thou shalt not um, bear false witness. Now that's swearing, you know, that's perjury. That's lying under oath, which is a chief sin. And lying in every category is covered underneath that. Now we come to the eighth commandment this morning. Thou shalt not steal. And there are all kinds of forms of stealing that the Bible recognizes. And uh, underneath this, it's the, the right of private property is... is uh, found the sanctity of ownership of property but at the same time the precept is the genera- the generosity of private property so you've got the uh, the right of private property we shouldn't steal from those who from that which is owned by others but also the challenge is to those who own private property to be generous with that property And we read together in Ephesians, both the prohibition and the precept, let him that stole steal no more. Thou shalt not steal. But the precept is found, you read this, but rather let him labor, working with his own hands, the thing that is good that he may have to give to him that need it. So there's two parts to uh, the precept of the Eighth Commandment. Work and... Generosity. 
So you, you've got both of those, and, and uh, we find throughout Scripture that is the case. We're not just to work uh, enough just to get by, but we're to, we're to pray that we work enough not only to cover our needs, but also to be able to give to those that are in need as well. So that the Eighth Commandment is another commandment that challenges us to love our neighbor. What is, what is the love that is to be for our neighbor? We're to be concerned for our neighbor's economic welfare, not just our own economic welfare. So this is a commandment that deals with our economy, our pocketbook. And so how often you find that people say, well, religion is... is uh, it is for your general, your general spiritual life, but it, it doesn't touch the everyday um, jobs and and uh, and econom- economic welfare of people. God is sovereign over everything. He's sovereign over our hearts. He's sovereign over our pennies. He's sovereign over everything. Everything is owned by the Lord. The sanctity. Or the sacredness of ownership. There are at least four legitimate ways in which we gain private property. By work, by gift, by inheritance, and by investment. There are at least four proper ways. And the Bible gives us these four ways in various parts of Scripture. Remember what the Lord said to Adam in the Garden of Eden. He gave Adam and Eve the Garden of Eden. He, he, he put them in the garden to, to uh, deal with it, to keep it, to, to uh, tend to it, and to guard it from, you know, to guard it from, obviously, enemies. Adam knew about the devil. Adam should have been on his guard. And he may have been indeed on his guard, but, his, but he, he fell to idolizing, as it were, his wife. But he should have been right there to prevent his wife from falling to the deception of the devil. But can you imagine life without thieves? Life without um, cameras and stores? Life without store security? They call themselves loss prevention associates. Can you imagine life without money-hungry lawyers? Life without screening machines at exits? Life without soft district attorneys? Life without lenient judges? Life without safes? Life without security systems? Door locks? Security tags? Did you know that Walmart says that in 2021, they lost $3 billion in shoplifting losses. $3 billion. And that's huge. But you say, well, it can't be that much because they made $559 billion. So they didn't even lose 1%. But $3 billion in shoplifting losses. What do you and I do when we discover an unpaid item in our cart. Have you ever discovered an unpaid item in your cart when you arrive at your vehicle? Do we say, well, that store is too expensive anyway. Good, uh, good riddance or, or uh, 
It takes too long to return to the store and make it good. One of these days, maybe I'll, I'll return it. Or they can afford it after all. They make $559 billion a year. Or is it a good test for you and me that the Lord allows this to happen? You ever seen those videos online where they, they're, they're, they're baiting people to see what percentage of people will not steal an item that seems to be left unlocked? And that can be pretty, pretty uh, injurious to people. I've seen where you, someone will have a bicycle, a nice bicycle sitting out. There's an invisible line that's tied to it. And someone will get on the bicycle and start off and then somebody will run after them and say, hey, hey, that's my bike. And they'll ride faster. And you know what's going to happen in about 10 feet. Uh, they learn their lessons. But then you have people, I, I've seen videos where people will walk purposely by someone and just drop their phone and, uh, and just keep walking. And, and obviously the camera catches people that will pick it up and say, hey, you dropped your phone. But often you find they'll pick it up and, and put it in their pocket and, and act as if nothing occurred. But obviously there are times when the phone has an electric charge in it and the person will return to that uh, thief and say, Did you see my phone? Oh no, it's not. I, I, I didn't see anything. I dropped it nearby. I, I didn't see it. Of course, he'll press a button and the person will jump ten feet in the air. Oh, you didn't see my phone, did you? But it's, it's a test to us. And you know, it's interesting how it has happened to me twice in the last week and a half. Uh, I got back to my car or a truck the other day and I had, I had taken bottles back in a plastic bag and, and had that bag in the bottom of my cart. And I didn't notice until I returned to my vehicle that I had an $8 box of real vanilla. <clears throat> so I was in a hurry, but I said, I've got to return this. I'm in the parking lot. And went into the store, and the same lady that was at the self-checkouts, and I said, I don't think I paid for this. And, and she said, well, let me see your receipt. And she said, well, indeed, you haven't paid for this. And so the right thing was to do is to return it. <clears throat> but I have a, even a fresher illustration of this. <clears throat> Yesterday, I was at a... a, a produce uh, stand and it said $6 for a dozen corn. And it did not say uh, a baker's dozen. It said 12 for $6. And, and I was throwing it in my bag and probably not paying attention as I should. And yesterday when I was peeling or whatever you call uh, husking the corn, I counted 13 and I said, I'm a thief. But tomorrow morning, first thing, I'm going to return to the stand. So you, you, you're witnesses if the police is sent after me by somebody who was watching or had a, had a, a secure camera there that I'm guilty and I'm planning to either buy 11 tomorrow for the price, same price or give them 50 cents, which is, or maybe I should give them uh, interest. It's an interesting thing because in 1620 when the pilgrims landed in New England, they actually found a plot of corn 
that apparently was planted by the natives there, and they didn't find the natives at that time, and they were very they, they were starving, and they they ate the corn, and but they they made a vow to themselves that when they when they uh, have a harvest the next year, they're going to find the owners or the people that planted this and make it right. And they did. The next year, they found out who it was and they paid them not only the price of what all that harvest was worth, but they paid them 20% over that to, to show their gratitude and to show that they were upright. And so, do we have that, that testimony before God of being honest and being generous. But may I say that is there any one of us that is not a thief? And if you're saying here that I've, I'm not a thief, it's like anything else. What is it, how many lies does it, does it take for us to be a liar? How many times do we have to steal to be called a thief? You say, I've never stolen a pack of gum. I've never stolen anything. Well, I hope that when we go through this, we'll have to say, God be merciful to me, a sinner. The Eighth Commandment. And I think this is recognized throughout the world. Is there any country, no matter how large it is, that does not recognize the, the right of private property? I mean, you go to a nursery in a church and you grab something from a child, what are they going to say? That's mine. Or if you're in their house, that's mine. It's mine. Even a little child knows uh, about ownership. What the Lord says, it's God who spoke this out and He wrote it with His own finger. Thou shalt not steal. From uh, Rachel stealing her father's idols, Jacob his brother's blessing, Ahab, Nabal's vineyard, Achan, silver, gold, and Babylonian garment, Joseph's brother selling Joseph's body and soul, Absalom uh, stealing Israel's hearts, prophets stealing God's words, we're told in Jeremiah 23, the thief or murderer taking a man's life, stealing a person's life. Ananias and Sapphira stealing the church's money, as it were, because they had, they had said that they had committed it to them. Fornicators stealing someone's virginity. There's only one seemingly good theft that I see in the Bible. Jehoshaphat stole Joash from Athaliah and preserved him from being slaughtered. But it's an ancient sin. Satan stole our innocence. Satan is called a murderer and a liar, but may I say that murder and, a, and, and murder is a is a form of thievery, it takes a person's life. It's amazing how so many of these commandments are a dovetail into one another. Jeremiah seven says, "Will you steal and murder and commit adultery? This treacherous triplet." But murder and adultery are forms of stealing. Murder steals a man's life and soul. Adultery steals a person's happiness in marriage and a person's uh, affection. They're insulting sins to God. And we all feel uh, 
defrauded, don't we? Have you ever had anything stolen from you? It's, it's, it, you feel like someone might as well just punched you in the face. But you know, may I say, I hope you're not offended by this, we all have a history of thievery. But a Christian can say, I have a history of sin. We all have a history of sin. Whether the fall or individual sin, sins. It's the description of a Christian. It's not a boast, it's a confession. I can remember as a young man with my friend, who we were altar boys in the Roman church, we would steal wine from the rectory and laugh about it. I wrecked my brother's car in 1976. Nice 1974 Monte Carlo. I stole his happiness. I cost him a higher rate of insurance. And I stole my neighbor's sense of security when a few of my friends and I tossed snowballs at their picture window and it collapsed in about 20 degree weather. And I don't say this with a boast. I say that I am a thief saved by grace. But I want to challenge all of us that we are all thieves. And even today, we may need to confess our sin of stealing. The first thing is we need to fear God who thundered the Eighth Commandment from Mount Sinai. It's right not to steal. He's the one that has, has given His opinion, His Word, His command. And God spake all these words. So important His he had thunderings and lightnings and the noise of a trumpet and the mountains smoking and shaking and a, and a storm, we're told in Hebrews, that occurred at the mount. God was saying, these are serious words. Take these to heart. Thou shalt not steal. Whenever you're tempted to steal in, in so many different ways, think of the lightning bolt and the thunderclap coming from heaven. I can remember being on Abbott Road after a football game years ago and fog came over. It was, it was a one o'clock game and they were leaving at four and we were, at that point in time, we had gone, started walking toward our, our vehicles at Alice's house and, but you couldn't hardly, you could hardly see a vehicle next to you as we were walking along the shoulder and you remember the, the lightning flash. And within about five seconds, boom! And just everybody on Abbott Road was, was uh, silenced. And it was just a, a fearful thing. And I can remember we quoted from Psalm 29, the God of glory thunders. But people were afraid. And at first it was fearful to you and me. Dan was there. And he can recall that. Who says thou shalt not steal? God says... God says, the God of the universe, the God who has a, a prison for unforgiven sinners. It says in Psalm 119, verse 172, Thy commandments are righteousness. They're right. It's right not to steal. Secondly, it's, it's wrong to steal. We need to let conviction have its work. Often people will say during a series of the Ten Commandments, I'm just under such conviction 
Well, that's one of the uses of the, the law. The law, by the law, is the knowledge of sin. And thank God when He, he unveils, unearths a sin that has been long unconfessed or unknown in our lives. Thy commandment, David said, is exceeding broad. Psalm 119, verse 96. Interestingly, the, the, the verse right, right with it, in the first part of it says, I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. And you put those two together, and the first part of it seems to say, I've looked at all kinds of finite things, man and man's works, and there's an end to that perfection. He's explored the finite, and he says it's vanity. But he says, I've just begun to explore the infinite and it's so vast and valuable. Thy commandment is exceeding broad. In other words, you come to the Eighth Commandment and you say, well, all it says is don't steal. Don't shoplift. Don't steal somebody's money. Don't steal somebody's item. And yet, as we study the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation and we see there are multiple kinds of theft. Theft not just of possessions, but theft of time, theft of affection, theft of love, all kinds of theft. It's kind of like you have heard that it was said unto you, Thou shalt not steal. Just like Jesus said, You have heard that it hath not that it hath been said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And he's not saying that that is, you know, that, that wasn't something that should have been said. He's saying, You've heard. And the Pharisees were saying, we're looking at it just as the wooden command. Well, I haven't committed adultery, but if you look, I say unto you, if you look upon a woman to lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And just about every command, we can say, you have heard that it was said, thou shalt not steal. But I say unto you, if you covet that item, you've stolen it in your heart. That if you don't give your wife or your husband in your marriage, the affection that they deserve, you're stealing their affection, their happiness. Let us count the ways in which commandment number eight is shattered. And let us ask God for forgiveness and restoration. There's more than He meets the mind, and more than meets the eye, more than meets the hand. And you know, I think it's, I believe it's true. Why did Jesus have nails into his hands. He was dying for thieves. Why did he have punches to his mouth? He was dying, he was dying for liars like me. And may I say like you. If we could only see the kinds of theft that is in the Bible, it would be good for us to see how deep and wide and how broad is this commandment. Maybe we should start at the top. What is the, the worst sin of stealing? Well, stealing from God. The Bible says that, you know, we can steal from God. For instance, in Malachi chapter 3, we're told that people who hold back the tithe, God gives us everything and He commands us to, to give 10%. Israel gave, we, if you look and if you study the Bible and study someone that has, has uh, done a deeper study on tithing and giving and economics, Israelites were required to give a lot more than 
But look what it says in Malachi chapter uh, 3, the last book of the Old Testament. We read, uh, hold on just a minute here. Malachi chapter Yes, in verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed you? Wherein have we robbed you? Even in tithes and offerings. You you are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. We rob God when we hold back that which is His. You say, well, it's mine. I made it. God gave you the strength, the health. Everything is the Lord's. May I say that, that we rob God when we neglect His day? We're supposed to give at least 10% of our possessions. But you know, we're supposed to give 14% of our time. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 7 into 100 is 14 plus a few percentage points. What about your 14%? Worshiping the Lord privately, but especially as our forefathers have said publicly. Do you attend public services? You rob God if you rob Him of His time. 14%. It's the whole counsel of God. And probably the worst theft regarding human beings is found in the pastorals. Men stealing, kidnapping, Abducting people is a form of stealing. Obviously, removing something without paying for it is theft. Removing a neighbor's property. But the Bible says if a store has unjust scales, and that's several verses, Proverbs 11.1, a false balance is abomination to the Lord. And there have been studies done where where you'll go to a store and check the scales. You'll have a certain weight that you know is, is, is accurate and you put that weight on the scale and it shows that that isn't... If it's a one pound weight and the scale says uh, one and a half pounds, then you're paying too much for the item. Exorbitant interest. The Bible does not condemn interest in itself, but exorbitant interest, especially to the poor. And Zacchaeus is the one that said, if I have taken taken more than I should to any man, I will restore fourfold. Of course, professional thieves, Proverbs 1, are, are breaches of these commandments. Deceptive bartering. Proverbs says, here's the text, it is not, it is not, saith the buyer, when he goes his way, then he boasteth. Going somewhere where you're, 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 and I understand that there are places where you bicker back and forth about an item, but you know that item is worth, say, $20. And you say, uh, I'll give you 15 it's not worth any more than that. For once, there's less lying. But you see that person hardly owns anything. How poor they are. You go to the Springville market and they hardly, have, they hardly have any metal left on their four tires. And you want to rob them of 
get them down two more dollars. We need to see that deceptive bartering is stealing. Withholding pay to gain interest. Leviticus 19.13 And this is, a, this is a tactic that often owners and, and, and businesses, they'll withhold pay too long in order that they might gain interest on the, their, their employees' money. Expanding your break at work. It's a 10-minute break. It's a 15-minute break. And you're taking 20, 25, 30 minutes. Expanding your lunch hour. Price gouging. Overcharging, especially in emergency situations. The Proverbs tell us several times about the evil, the sin of price gouging. He withholdeth corn. The people will curse him. And that's in a sense where they're holding back Items so that they get the highest price and yet people are starving. Refusing to sell needed items, as I just said. Borrowing without returning, even if you have forgotten. It's stealing. If I can only get back some of my library books that have been lent. Playing games on work time. Removing landmarks of people. They do this to the poor. Israel was forbidden to do this. When a poor person could not afford to continue to have his land, he, could, he, he, had, he had to be sold, but the land could never be sold. It could only be rented until the day of Jubilee when he would receive it back. But they removed landmarks and said, it's my land. It's just like Ahab who wanted that, probably what might have been an acre of land that Naboth owned. Just a small piece of ground I want it. And he stole it from him and his life was, was uh, Naboth's life along with his sons were taken. The lack of diligence in school that's paid for by a friend or a parent. Career loafer, those that are making a career on welfare, people that won't get a job if it's beneath them. If I need a job, if I need money, whatever it might be, what is, what is a job that's beneath you and me? Cleaning chimneys? Riding in the back of a trash truck? And am I, I'm insulting these folks because is there any job that's beneath us? We've met people that will not work if it's beneath their integrity or their pride. Refusing to work beneath your standard. Kidnapping. Swindling someone's inheritance. The lottery that you know impoverishes poor people. Waste of time, especially on the Lord's Day. Let me read Amos 8. The people were saying, when will the Sabbath be over that we can sell corn? You know what they're saying? I know it's the Lord's Day. I know, it's, I know I sh- but I just want it to get over with so I can do my thing. So I can rob, and it goes on to say to rob people. But the Lord wants our hearts. What, how is our heart in public worship? I can't wait till it's over. I want to go watch television. I want to go do my thing. You can have a love of pleasure more than a love of God. Pickpockets. Bribes. Micah 7.3 How people are, are given bribes for favors. Stealing.
broken contracts in order to get a raise. The Bible calls us truce breakers. All kinds of sports figures are like this. They signed a five-year contract. But then they got better. They, 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 they were one of the star players the second year in their contract, and so they hold out and say, I want higher pay. You, you made a contract. You gave your word. You gave your signature. Work, work it till the fifth year. Keep your word. It's theft. We, we find that businesses are often held hostage by strikes. What did John the Baptist tell soldiers? Be content with your wages. Quitting without notice is costly to businesses. If we're going to change jobs, we should give our businesses time to find another employee. The Bible says love your neighbor. Be, care, be, be concerned about your employer's uh, money and his economic welfare. Pilfering like Judas. John tells us that Judas was pilfering from the bag. John 12.6 They didn't know that until later. It's not right for me to take a pen from my office. It's not right for us to use the copier unless we have permission at our office, at our business. Filling our tanks with the fuel that is at our, our boss's business. Tanya's father owned a restaurant many years ago and they had a fuel tank in the back and uh, he used it for the trucks that were sent out for produce and so on and one day I think you were in the restaurant at the time that some man was there and he was very nervous and but he said to, to Ray years ago I, I, I took fuel from your tanks and I'm asking you to forgive me I've become a Christian I'll do whatever it takes. I don't have a lot of money, but I'll work. You know, put me in the kitchen. Whatever it takes. Turn me over to the police. And Tanya says that there were a couple of policemen in the restaurant eating their lunch. And Tanya's father just had that love that covers a multitude of sins. And just probably hugged the man and said, Praise the Lord that He has forgiven you of your stealing. Cheating on our tests. Oh, brother, sister, any of us Guiltless? How about unrepentant sins? Forgive us, forgive us of our debts. That's the word used. Debt is a synonym for sin. Lord, I owe You. I owe You my time that I've wasted. I owe You my, you know, my heart where I haven't loved You. I owe You obedience. How many, how many kinds of obedience have I, have I neglected? Sin is any want of conformity unto as well as transgression of God's law. How many Sabbath days have I profaned? How many sermons have I daydreamed by? How many times have I skipped my Bible reading because I had something else I wanted to do that was more important to me at the time? We're thieves. We're thieves of God's time. We're thieves of God's, of God's love. We're thieves. And how many of us have unforgiven debts? We've stolen someone's peace and joy and we need to pray and approach someone and say, forgive me for, being a, for stealing your affection. For a husband to say to his wife, I have not been affectionate. And, and often counselors say it's, 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 it, it can be on both sides, but mostly they have found that husbands are the ones that have kept back the affection of their wives for their wives. 
forgive me for being cold. And giving you the cold shoulder and wanting to, to, to be outside the home when I could have spent time with you in the home. How husbands will go out and play and bowl and they'll go out and golf and they'll go out and do other things which are okay in themselves. But then we neglect our wives who need our time and our affection and our help. Brother and sister, which one of us can say, I'm guiltless? My heart is, is clean. Job tells us about someone who violently takes away a, a new house. House stealing goes on all the time where there's a lack of police. Where you have to have 24-7 armed guards on your new build or your rebuild. Or else you come home after being away for a couple hours and somebody else has taken over your home. And you can do nothing about it. Corrupt police or no police. Defund the police? Is that what we want? Well, you're going to find a lot of people taking over rebuilt and new-built houses. Oh, brother and sister, God, forgive our sins. All kinds of theft. We're thieves. We are thieves. And we need to admit it and feel the conviction of the Spirit of God. Let us steal no more, whether it be property, people, morals, works, profit, time. May God be merciful to us. What should we do? We should repent. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. If I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore. Luke 19, verse 8. Lord, it's not my neighbor. It's me that stands in the need of prayer. Let us not, like Judas, cause, allow our conviction and guilt to drive us to suicide. It's not for us to cast the dirty money into the sanctuary and commit suicide, but plead the blood of Christ whose hands were pierced as if He were a thief. He was made sin for me who knew no sin. The Lord Jesus died with and for thieves, didn't He? Isn't it interesting how two thieves were on either side of Jesus and they nailed His hands to that stem, to that tree. Jesus died for thieves like me. Jesus died for sinners. Christ imputed with my sin of stealing and me imputed with His righteousness of generosity and goodness. That's our text in the bulletin today. I restored that which I took not away. Did you ponder that text? I didn't steal your innocence, Jesus says. I didn't cause you to fall. I didn't cause you to lie and steal and commit murder and adultery and idolatry and profaning of the Sabbath. I haven't caused you to do that. But I am the one that died in your place. The just for the unjust. I restored that which I didn't take away. You took it away and I came to die in your place. And so what does Jesus say to you and me like He said to the woman caught in adultery? He said to her, go and sin no more. What does He say to you and me? Them that stole, steal no more. That's God's Word for us in Christ. And thank God there's a precept that we'll consider, Lord willing, next week. But may we humble our pride and admit 
we are thieves. And we need desperately the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from our sins.